Hey guys, we've got a double episode of Bull right for you, right now, right here. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. You and we got Frank Sinatra too tonight. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, we have a double trouble episode of Bull. CBS, but here on AfterBuzz TV, uh, I'm joined by the lovely Olivia Gabri tonight. Nadine Delapel is out, unfortunately, but we will have her back next week. Uh, it's a great show. I'm loving everything so far in this series, and we're only two, well, now three episodes in. Uh, so a lot to look forward to on this after show. And uh, Olivia, tell us where uh, everyone can find you on social media. You guys can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at the real underscore O underscore G. The real OG. The real OG. She's bringing it. Uh, <laughs> and I am Kevin Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at the Kevin Ellis or on Instagram at Kevin Ellis twenty five. As I said, we've got two episodes of Bull for you tonight. The first one being episode one hundred two, the woman in eight D. And it starts off with a woman coming out of the bathroom. She's flustered. She's breaking her heel. Clearly, something had just transpired in her life on the plane. Mm -hmm. Did you expect for that scene to come along and be uh, to be full circle in the end? As it was, that woman ended up being an integral part of this whole plot line. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't really see it coming, but also I thought I thought it was kind of bizarre because what are you never really... First of all, why are you wearing heels on a plane? Aren't you supposed to be, like, cozy or something? And second of all, I mean, it had to be significant if that's how they opened up the entire episode, mm -hmm. but... You're never um, going to find me on or in heels on a plane to begin well, with. good to know. Yeah, you know, just my thing. <laughs> uh, but I will say that, you know, typically you're... you're more comfortably dressed. So it was a little uh, a little bit of a hint that, all right, she's dressing for somebody on yeah. the plane. There's something more to it. And as it turned out, it was the co-pilot the whole oh. time. Scandal. So uh, so we after we start off with the uh, the plane scene, you know, plane goes down, uh, that scene, um, you know, fades out. We know that the plane crashes, but we come to a little bit of a happy-go-lucky scene where Dr. Dr. Bull is in his mock courtroom, and he's with a... Uh, what is he with? He's, he's with the, uh, the singer, who's just this oh, very... rock uh, star. Yeah, like a Mick Jagger-type figure. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just one of those scenes. It's a little throwaway, but it shows more of Bull's charisma and how he's able to calm even this this hotshot singer um, mm -hmm. down and kind of bring him bring him in his element uh, to where he can actually put out a good case. But, like, for you, I, as I go along, and I'm, I know that this is going ahead a little bit, but when you see all of the individuals so far that he's been able to bring to trial, do you think that it's a little odd that none of or who can afford his services? I mean... Exactly. Wait, first of all, are his services considered legal? Like, are they legit? <laughs> Is it okay to do something like this? Well, there's a couple of things that Nadine and I did talk about last... Uh, or our first episode that we thought could be possibly illegal. Yeah. First of all, the matrix that they've got with all of the personal information that they're exactly. plugging on in, it just seems like this is an invasion of privacy. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that what they're doing is illegal? Because you have a, a, a ton of information. Like, they were checking, you know, 
at least towards the end of episode 103, they were talking about how some of those individuals, like they were tracking their internet, uh, mm-hmm. internet history. Well, not their history, but at least that they were on the website that um, the young girl... What's her She's name? the Cable? hacker. Cable. Yeah. The hacker uh, was able to post a web story and they were able to tell that the jury was actually following their own story. Exactly. So well, trying. I think there's definitely a fine line between it's it feels like it's kind of blurred, especially in this day and age of all this technology. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he said, you know, if you weren't a hacker, you could probably be a journalist. That kind of hints hacking kind of mm. has like a stigma attached to that. It's probably not legal to do or okay. So I'm assuming some things are illegal, but a lot of things could just be common knowledge. And it's things that you don't even take into consideration, mm-hmm. like all your internet history and every the way you just react to everything. It's all public now and everybody can see it. So, I mean, I never really thought of that. Well, I did, but not in this kind of way until I saw the show. Yeah, and you even see, though, some videos that, while they look like security footage, some of them don't actually look like security footage. When they were showing, um, at least in the third episode, we were showing a uh, the ex-girlfriend mm-hmm. of, uh, of Mike, and they were showing her in the street, and she was incredibly flustered, picking a, uh, like trying to uh, hail a cab. And there was something about that imagery where it did not seem... Like it was security camera footage. Oh, it, it definitely like it was wasn't. Totally it was taped. probably like someone's Peeping like this Tom crazy just... bitch, and then they whip their phone out and start, you know, yeah, because so. she was making a fool of herself. Obvious. I mean, Clearly. I probably would have Snapchat that. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> All right, so we'll get back to episode one hundred two. So Bull and his team see the, uh, you know, they go to their big uh, their news channels and they see all of the headlines of this plane crashing, and. What I found interesting right off the bat was that his team actually mentioned that, oh, yeah, Bull takes on all of the major airline uh, crashes that have taken place in the last 10 years. To me, that just seems odd. It doesn't seem like that's Bull's character to actually take on Mm -hmm. all of these airline companies when you're not having a situation where the pilot actually survives. This is actually the first time that a pilot had survived a crash, at least according to the show. So I just thought that it was a little odd for Bull to be taking up a bunch of corporations under his wing. It just doesn't seem like that's who he is in this show. I didn't think so, but when you think about it, it's like some guaranteed cash right there. I mean, yeah. how could you how could you turn it down? And maybe this is this goes <laughs> along with what we were talking about earlier. Maybe he just has so much money now from all these corporations. Yeah. He can take on these uh, these feel-good stories. That exactly. Take because it seems like he well, he did pursue this case with um, the pilot because, as we saw, you know, the attorney, I think his name is Oscar, was like, I don't think your services are necessary here. So it was clear that Bull pursued them and wanted to take this on himself. And Oscar was just the worst attorney oh ever. I cannot, I was hating on him the whole time. He's so annoying, first of all. And second of all, it's, it was very clear from the start that he was not on his own client's side. No. I was like, are you kidding me? Did you feel it was too blatant that he wasn't on her side? He was straight up saying, like, <laughs> sorry, you don't have a chance. Like, all the odds are against you. He even said, you murdered 68 people. Yeah, b- literally blamed her. And she, I don't know. <laughs> I, she seems like an intelligent woman. Right. Like she was in the military. She's a pilot. You can't pick up, like, this guy's 
you know, a jerk. It was insane. I And I can't remember whether or not the airline had actually uh, given her that attorney. They did. The okay. airline supplied her with okay. the attorney, which should have been a red flag right from the beginning mm-hmm. because obviously it's not her best interest they have at heart. It's their own. And there was. There was a conflict of interest in that situation, which we'll get to in a moment. But what was interesting uh, to me uh, when he, they were doing the mock trials is that guilty, guilty, guilty verdict. And there was no... I guess there was just no hope for our uh, our defendant in this episode, who was uh, Captain Taylor, uh, Taylor Matheson, who was a woman. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, when Bull actually takes the stand as Captain Matheson to the mock jury, he actually gets off all of the charges that are brought to him right. because he's a man, or at least that is the theory. And Bull was not taking a misogynistic approach. It was just what it was. Did you expect, or at least, would you think that there would be some sort of bias if even in the role of a pilot, Mm -hmm. do you think that there would be a sexist bias? I mean, I didn't really think so to begin with, but they brought up a good point how they kind of pointed out the bias to the entire jury just to make the jury aware of it because I think subconsciously maybe some people do make assumptions that like, you know, she's a woman, she can't drive, she can't can't do certain things that men can do. And even though they're not really aware of those thoughts, it's kind of just... To bring them to surface and pay attention to them is important. Mm -hmm. Right off the bat, I was thinking, why, at least why would a jury, and I mean, this is just me observing, it's Mm -hmm. like, why would a jury not take into consideration the fact that she has so much military experience? I was thinking that would be a huge factor. In her benefit. In her benefit. Yeah. As it turns out, that's really not as strong of an argument. Doesn't even matter. Apparently not. Uh, So it's sad. It's sad if this is true about our culture. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and it actually goes to show there was a little bit of a, uh, I guess, sexist moment when one of the one of Bull's team uh, members had actually gone to the engineer hangar where they observe and uh, and check out the plane prior to departure. And the individual, the engineer who was actually checking out the plane that day, mm-hmm. uh, thought that the co-pilot had exactly. checked out the plane, which apparently is against procedure. And when it came to light that, oh, he thought it was the co-pilot mm-hmm. solely because she was a woman, he felt incredibly guilty afterward and his whole you know, his whole perception was was thrown off. Well, we even saw that right from the beginning when they first met each other, right? Because Bull's, I don't know, partner, assistant, whatever she is, was about to introduce herself to the attorney just assuming that that was the captain because he was male. And then Mm -hmm. Bull intercepted like a boss and was like... Captain Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> and I love I love his little quip in that uh, scene where Bolt says, oh, Oscar could never be a pilot. <laughs> yeah. I was like, there so we true. go. And what was funny, if you actually go back and you watch the, uh, the, uh, the scene where they pull up who the co-pilots were on the plane with mm-hmm. uh, uh, Captain Matheson, one of the pilots, I don't know if they intentionally did it, but... He kind of looked like Oscar a little bit in just the weirdest way. It wasn't, I don't know if that was intentional, and it wasn't like clear twins. It was just somebody who kind of looked like him. him. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, (laughs) So, 
a couple of scenes that uh, I know one that I wanted to point out was when Chunk, uh, Chunk Palmer, our favorite stylist, I guess, a former Vogue Oh, I have uh, such Vogue a crush stylist. on him. Yeah? He's so great. He's pretty great. Yeah. Just too bad he's, he's gay in the show, but you know. <laughs> well, Taylor, Taylor Matheson, our captain, when she's being styled up, there's always a fun scene with, with Chunk. But she points out that he used to be a linebacker, a mm-hmm. uh, college uh, linebacker, so something cool that we learn uh, about Chunk. But she also said, oh, weren't you actually almost a Heisman winner? And he agrees to it. And he said that the draft didn't work out too well for him. That doesn't typically happen with a Heisman That's what I was favorite. thinking, too. I was like, that doesn't work in your favor? I think that that was just a, a little bit of a, uh, a failure for writing. But as we're talking about <laughs> football, uh, you know, as we, uh, we have our... Um, our show brought to you free. Uh, DraftKings is a uh, fantastic sponsor of us. So uh, we, I don't know how your fantasy football team is doing at the moment. Mine is actually doing pretty well at the moment. I've yeah, got two mine's going. great too. Oh, is it now? <laughs> if I have one, I'm if sure I'd be one. winning. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so I don't know. You're starting running back. It has possibly already pulled a hamstring. I don't know. Uh, and your sleeper pick is still um. Mm, sleeping well it's not too late to save your season and win huge cash prizes at draftkings.com draftkings is the destination for one week fantasy football and that means no season-long commitments no busts and no bench warmers never again will injuries have you combing the waiver wire at 2 a.m i know i've dealt with plenty of injuries over the past of my fantasy football career Three of my first three round, yeah, my first three draft picks one year all got injured in two weeks. Uh, so DraftKings, this is for you. Uh, so just pick your contest, draft your team, the, and follow the action live. Renew old rivalries with friends and play with them every single week. Or try fifty-fifty contests where the top half of all entries will win cash. That's a pretty good gig. Uh, even if your current fantasy team is circling the drain, you can still win huge cash prizes at DraftKings.com. So do not wait. Start your new season at DraftKings.com. Right now, use the code BUZZ, as in After Buzz TV, and play free with your first deposit. That's code BUZZ to play free for your share of over $1 million in total prizes this weekend alone. And only DraftKings.com. Eligibility restrictions apply. See site for details. So check that out, guys. Pretty cool. Uh, I haven't checked it out, but I'm now pretty intrigued. So Oscar, Bull, and uh, and Taylor actually uh, gather around for a little scene uh, later on. And this is the scene that you were talking about earlier where Oscar is, in essence, fired. And he was just a dick in this scene. This is when he says that he had no faith in her case whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And it actually turns out that he had a corporate interest in getting her to settle because it would mean more money for his firm. How, how do you... Like, what do you think about that? Um, For one of his own clients to settle would actually get him more money. That actually, I don't, it kind of opens my eyes to a lot of things because I feel like sometimes I personally can be naive and just assume that everybody, that people are good people, you know, but clearly that's not even the case. I mean, this woman's life is pretty much at stake. Like, 
all all the odds are against her and she's looking at this one person to pretty much rescue her and pull her through and he's not even on her own team and it's she was following his lead this whole entire time and he was just leading her right into right into a hole i don't know and as it turns out, Bull has a solution to this problem, as Oscar's thrown aside and fired by uh, Captain Matheson. It turns out, she, she says, I can't afford an attorney. And he's like, don't worry, we have the best. And Benny walks on in. Now, I have to say, this goes back to my first theory, where, okay, where where are they getting the money for that, this? I was just thinking that, too. It's like, you can't afford an attorney, but you can afford these fancy services. Like, yeah. he definitely took this on himself. Yeah. But so, what's the motive? Like, I know. For some publicity, just be a good guy. I hope that the writers do tie this loose end together because I just, it limits the believability of this whole scenario. Yeah. I I would like to hope that, you know, even, I mean, he's just got too many resources for it to be inexpensive enough for just your average Joe to be able to afford his services. And not like we've seen in these three episodes, we, only the first one was truly affluent. These last two individuals who he's taken cases on for ha- have clearly not been affluent individuals. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I hope we do find out. Um, so, uh, so there's a little plot point where it turns out that our Taylor Matson was good friends with a co-pilot, Ken. And Mary, his wife, it turns out, believes that they might have been having an affair. At first, what was your thought? For, I thought you are being friends with this, like, they claim that they were really close friends. Mm-hmm. And if you were thinking that she was having an affair with your husband this whole entire time, and you only, it only took this point for you to blow up, like, uh-huh. yeah. yeah, that's a little, that's a little suspicious. I don't know about that. Yeah. But that, I don't know. That was a real, like, plot twist for me because I didn't see that one coming. No. Until he started suggesting it. Then I was like, oh, she knows something. Yeah, yeah. She at least knew that there was, that they were close enough to where Mary could believe that it's possible. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm not married. I don't know what that married life is like. I'm sure that there, is, <laughs> uh, there are a lot of questions as, you know, time goes along and, you, you know, you, you question that kind of thing. But... Bull wanted to put it to rest because he did not want an explosion in the courtroom. So he follows his instincts and brings her in for a mock trial. And that's when she does explode. She does say, I I think that you actually had cheated on, Mm -hmm. uh, cheated with Ken. And I guess their friendship is now up in the air at that point. But as it turns out, that individual at the beginning of the episode, Tanya Bryant... Turns out she was the individual having an affair with Ken. What do you think of that? That it just came out of nowhere, don't you think? I thought that it was. Um, I thought it was believable just because we had seen it earlier. Now, if that was just a throw-in towards the end of that episode, and we had not l- seen that first initial scene, yeah. it would have been like, okay, that was corny. Do you think people live tweet from plane rides often? Like, is this something I should be worried about? <laughs> See, that that was another concern is, okay, is this 20, early 20s girl who has her phone out actually going to pay the 12 bucks it is for Wi-Fi on the plane just so she can use her phone? So she can live tweet this woman's breakup? Yeah. No. I don't think that that actually is You realistic. never know, though, because are you? I have heard stories where... People would, oh, maybe it was before the plane ride. 
I don't know, whatever. Either way. Oh, yeah, the, the customer service issues. Yeah, yeah sure. That, Either yeah, way, we have creepy. this, like, whole narration of what this woman's experienced. And we even have a video mm-hmm. or a photo of her, of the co-pilot swerving her in front of the whole entire, <laughs> the whole entire flight. Yeah. Well. I don't know. But the, my question is, so she has, they saw that um, this woman had three round trips within the past month on flights. Yes. That Ken is his name mm-hmm. uh, was co-piloting at. Now, wh- like I wonder what their relationship was like. Like, would they typically speak when they're on the plane, or they would just like meet up at once the plane landed? And who breaks up with somebody on a plane when mid-flight? You're stuck in the, <laughs> like you're stuck with them. Well, he he just locks himself in the thing. Yeah, you know? she has to Easy get away. She has to be with everybody else out there, just you know, suff- suffering through the breakup. But no, but I, I see your point though. Um, it's a very weird like relationship and dynamic. Well, you typically get free flights if you are that's true part of. I I don't know whether or not actual pilots are able to get free flights. I know corporate individuals within airlines are able to get free flights for family and whatnot. And if she's, I don't, well, for, for you to be she's a deadhead, really you actually have to be a pilot and she's not family. I don't know. I don't know how that would go about, but and he's getting her on those flights somehow. Exactly. And I'm not even sure I would be spending all that time by myself <laughs> on a plane for a man. Like, I'll meet you, I'll meet you, like, well, on I mean, the you ground. Have assume, you have to assume, though, that they're taking flights <laughs> yeah, yeah. to, Maybe to like, cities. Maybe they're going to, like, nice exactly. places. Well, they're going to cities to get away from, like, the wife and the kids so that they can go to a hotel room. He's getting a hotel room anyway. Mm, um, okay. I it's not like I Twist know anything arm. about this. I'm just saying, if I was in that mindset, this is what I'm thinking. Yeah, okay. Now I see your perspective. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, towards this end of the episode, as we wrap up this episode and get to 103, Bull has so much faith in this, in Captain Matheson, that he wants to take her through the flight simulator. And as it turns out, well, run us through. Run us through exactly what she had actually done on the flights that saved at least what she what she thought she was doing on the plane. She thought she was saving the lives of the crew. Right. Well, which makes point, sense yeah. because the whole entire point of her trying to stay in the air for that those extra five seconds was so... I mean, at that point, you she kind of figured something's got to give. Like, people yeah. are going to die no matter what. And her decision in that split second was, well... I mean, if this plane's going down, we at least have to take it down to a place where we're not going to affect people mm-hmm. on land, which was extremely smart. But, I mean, she just forgot that part or she forgot her thought process. Right. No, I I guess it was of her, concussion. her concussion just totally wiped her memory at that point in time. It, it is admirable. And it shows at least her military, uh, military training and her heroism in that moment. And... Though it went against, I guess, what in the airline company had put forth as mm-hmm. their main um, uh, evidence. Right. Uh, it, it contradicted that, but it convinced the jury otherwise. Yeah, and, and Bull even kind of said, like, their job and Oscar's job was to pin everything on the pilot and, you know, to make it look like the airline is not at fault. And mm-hmm. I actually, have you seen that movie, Sully? I have not seen Sully yet. I it's really li- want to. It's like the same exact thing. They're just blaming him, blaming him, blaming him when he was having everybody else's, like, the human part, like, having the people's best interests at heart. Yeah. But it, the 
airlines were doing everything in their power to just pin it on the pilot. So you have to imagine in the writers' room that was the pitch. Let's take oh, Sully. Sure. The plane crashes, <laughs> but Sully survives. Yes, you have to imagine that was the pitch. Yeah, it was extremely similar. Yeah. Uh, so that pretty much wrapped up that episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, on to episode one hundred and three. Uh, never saw the sign. We were both looking at this episode title like, at the beginning, and we're trying to figure sign? out what is the sign, but I don't know. If you guys are in the chat room, if somebody's in the chat room right now in <laughs> the U.S., know what the sign yeah, is. hit us up. Would like to know your theory, what never saw the sign meant. So, Open and Shut is the name of a podcast that this individual named Ellen Huff was uh, producing, and it was, I guess, a serial-esque podcast. Yeah, you? not to, like, be comparing it to everything <laughs> in the real world, but, but. I, as soon as she started speaking, her voice even reminded me of the woman's voice in Serial. Really? And, it's I mean, it's the same exact concept, going back on old cases and trying to, you know, dig up new evidence and reopen the case, and that's exactly what Miss Ellen did. I only watched Making a Murderer. I did not oh. listen to Serial. Did you watch that series? I didn't watch, but I listened to Serial. Okay. <laughs> so uh, on two opposite ends. Yeah, it was... Uh, I, I liked Making a Murderer, but the same theories of, okay, you are producing this for entertainment purposes, mm-hmm. you're going to leave out facts. Exactly. And as it turns out, this is a big plot point in this case. So this golden boy type figure, Mike Tasker. He shot to death in Central Park. It was likely a robbery, but as it turns out, through Huff's investigative work, this girl named Reese Burton, who had accused Mike of sexual assault uh, prior, Mm -hmm. it's possible that she had murdered uh, Mike. But, um, as I mentioned, clearly, at this point, I'm thinking, okay, Huff, this is a little predictable. She has an incentive to make this case... uh, uh, a lot more uh, entertaining, and uh, there's a word I'm looking for, um, sensationalistic, Yeah. Uh, than it probably is. So, so Bull takes on Reese. He actually visits her in prison, and he wants to hear her story. And Reese, right off the bat, did you think that she was a little standoffish at the beginning? I mean, she definitely was, but I would be too, because she brought up a good point. She opened up to this journalist... And she just completely got screwed over. And now her whole entire life just disappeared right before her eyes and she's in jail. So I understand why she was kind of skeptical. But at the same time, it's like, you don't have anything to lose at this Mm -hmm. point. You might as well just take the shot, you know? And it was a huge invasion of privacy Mm -hmm. on Ellen's part, too, because she had... She, being, uh, being Reese, had reported the campus rape anonymously so now this is out in the public eye it's publicized and that's a very personal thing to have actually for the world to know exactly so so bull has some incentive to put this case to rest and for him to hear reese's true story um so benny is brought back into the fray benny wasn't much he wasn't really involved in episode one he was involved in episode two but he's got a little thing going with amanda the da mm-hmm. did you think that there was going to be something more of that love interest once she was introduced did you think that that was going to be drawn out in that episode yeah i think so but she was kind of mean i w- i wasn't really rooting for them she was Mm-mm. like rude to him mm-hmm. but i didn't see anything very endearing about her me neither but something about her got it, got him, you know. Do you think we're going to see her in coming episodes? Yeah, I do. 
Well, because she, I mean, I'm sure there are going to be many cases where it's going to be them versus the state, you know, and she's going to have to, I mean, that's her job. Yeah. So maybe she will come up. Now, did you catch this like I did? I thought it was just thrown in there. It was thrown in clearly for us to hear it, but at least Benny had said, or at least, no, Bull had said that that he was his ex-brother-in-law. Did you catch that? Benny he, is Bull's ex-brother-in-law? Yes. That's at least... Because when Bull shakes Amanda's hand, because he, he had not met Amanda before, because yeah. he's like, oh, is this Amanda? He shakes her hand, and he says, ex... Uh, Amanda said to Benny, oh, this is your brother-in-law, and then Bull reaches an ex-brother-in-law. I, I don't know where that came from. I know I heard it. I know I saw it in the subtitles. So I know it's there. But... There was nothing more that was to that. So quick, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, I don't know, guys. Chat room, hit us up. I would love to know. I'm sure I'll look it up after this show because I thought it was very bizarre for it to just be thrown in there like right, that so quickly. And it seemed like at least Amanda's relationship with Benny was meaningful, and why the ex would never come up after that because the ex is not Amanda. So I just thought that was so peculiar. Mm-hmm. But anywho, uh. So Bull prosecutes this, fa- this this case in his courtroom, and the jury, during their lunch break, had actually downloaded the podcast during the mock trial, and had actually, and that had influenced their own votes when they were actually going and deliberating mm-hmm. uh, in the jury room. How do you, uh, what does that say about our, I know. our media? It's definitely, it's extremely scary because, first of all, they brought up and you brought up as well, it's a really good point that, you know, this uh, podcast, it's like entertainment versus the truth. And obviously some things are fabricated and some things are more prominent in the podcast than others just for the sake of entertainment purposes. And since we're so surrounded by media constantly through like social media, the internet, everything, it's how could you isolate yourself from such a huge thing in pop culture just for Mm -hmm. the sake of a trial, you know? Imagine if these, I mean, you got to think back years ago when there was absolutely no media whatsoever Mm -hmm. readily available to individuals, um, just how courtroom cases were, were just how the bias was different. It wasn't, it wasn't what was influenced on the media. It was what your upbringing was. You know, you look to, to kill a mockingbird as an example, Mm -hmm. you know, racism was a huge, uh, factor in that case in the book. And now, and it was just simply by, you know, region location, uh, and you know, what your, what your values were at the time. But now it's like, okay, the conversation is broader than that. Mm-hmm. It's what's what information can be uh, influenced, manipulated, and sent out across the masses and exactly. what people actually tap into. And they said right in the beginning, which I thought was extremely, extremely true, is, you know, in the beginning how they have those clips of the interviews mm-hmm. of people. They're like, oh, it, everyone just wants to be part of the story. Like, I'm just honored to be part of something that's so huge that's going on right now. Right. And a lot... Um, a lot of people kind of fall into that because, I mean, I went to school for this kind of stuff and you did as well. It's like, we know how the media works and we know necessarily not everything's true, but there are some people that will just sign on on Facebook and read some crazy thing and be like, oh, did you hear what happened? Did you hear? (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? So it must be, especially like in the court atmosphere, it must be extremely hard to find those people that 
haven't fallen into that yet and can actually appear on the jury without a bias. It's the quick fix, too, of what you read. Once you see it, you think, okay, this is the truth. You don't have to look to the next news source, no matter whether or not Ellen Huff, who is just an amateur, uh, what does she refer to herself as? Citizen journalist. Yeah. She doesn't have any sort of journalistic background, at least to our knowledge. Um, She's just an individual who wanted to put together a story and bring it to everybody's attention, but without reporting all of the facts necessary. So as it turns out, she, when issued a subpoena by Bull and his team, does not want to actually go to court, and so she actually goes to jail initially at the beginning of the episode because she doesn't want to reveal her sources or her information that wasn't reported within the podcast. Mm -hmm. So it just goes to show what she might be hiding, or at least what information is still available. Anyway, uh... What did you think? Okay, I love the little things that this ep- uh, that this episode in general teaches us about just human psychology. At least when the Chunk and Reese scene, you see how he always makes it evident that there is some sort of bo- like how body language, how clothing, all has some sort of meaning and in interpretation in the courtroom. Pockets in the pants, like it, that shows off. Uh, something that you're hiding. Um, if you're wearing drapey clothing, you are mm-hmm. also trying to show that you're, you're kind of hiding behind something. So you want to be free and open in your body language just as much as you are with your words. Right. So I do love that. Panic attack, when uh, Reese is going through her panic attack, that number scene, that mm-hmm. was fascinating. I know. I never I knew that. I'm about to start teaching people that. Right? <laughs> I actually have a friend who goes through these panic attacks, yeah. and I will remember this for that occasion. Exactly. I lo- This is making me want to learn even... I've always loved like psychology and sociology and stuff like that, but... W- I don't, you never really, when you're just looking at someone, I would never pick up all those little traits like body language and the what they're wearing and their facial expressions. And I don't, this uh, series is kind of making me want to educate myself a little bit more on that. I know. What does what my I know, V-neck like, what t-shirt are you telling say us right now? about me? <laughs> I should be wearing suits to this thing. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the paintings of the abstract fruits mm-hmm. that they were bringing uh, to the uh, potential jurors. Like, abstract fruit makes you, or at least if you appreciate abstract fruit, you think more complex. Exactly. What? And they, what they were saying, they said it in this episode and they said it in another episode as well, that um, they try to ask questions that, you know, are going to contribute to their knowledge of the person, yet they have to ask, obscu- like, obscure enough questions so the other team doesn't realize what they're getting at. Mm-hmm. So, of course, to us or to any outsider, this painting question looks absolutely ridiculous but everything they do and every question they ask is so extremely calculated that it's like i don't know and he and bull is always thinking about okay so what does that answer mean for the broader picture exactly uh he was observing that one individual who had a six he spent six thousand dollars on a dog yeah so it showed that he was he had a heart Mm -hmm. and Wait, did he keep that guy or did he toss him? No, they had to keep him. They had to keep him. Yeah, but he was like, he was their tricky one. And he was the one at the end that they actually had to convince. Yeah, and did you notice at the end when he made his closing argument, he was staring right at him. I was like, yes, like, give it to him. (laughs) Let him know. It made him so uncomfortable, too. I know. It's like shaking. Um, 
So, uh, Rob McKellen, who was, I guess, his friend, mm-hmm. uh, Mike's friend, who was his ex-teammate as well, was it where they were exchanging emails about pedicures. Turns out that it was actually PEDs that they were talking about. <laughs> and uh, while it seemed like even the ex-girlfriend might have been the individual who had killed Mike, now we're thrown that legal drama you know, loop where, okay, now did Rob actually kill him? Did yeah. you think that either Rob or that ex-girlfriend who had testified were either two of the culprits? No. Okay. I wouldn't see what the... I mean, the girlfriend, she's crazy and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, she's not... She's probably just like every other girl out there, you know? But I just don't... I don't think that their stories were a big enough deal to end somebody's life. Mm-hmm. I mean, r- rape, I could definitely see the motive in that, but I never thought it was Reese either. But my problem was, was like, okay, if it's not any of these three people, like, who else would have a motive to kill this person? Right. And what's interesting is that during cross-examination with Rob, Benny had introduced the idea that, okay, Rob had actually purchased three 9mm handguns at a point in time prior to the murder, and two jurors had actually been convinced that Rob, they were measuring at least the mock jurors, Mm -hmm. that Rob had actually committed the murder. I mean, just through that cross-examination. Right. And that's all the information that they had. So it just shows how easily these jurors can be swayed it's really scary so i thought that was a a neat little throw in there um so bull sits down with huff what did you what did you think of that scene where bull is actually convincing uh ellen huff to release the files when she's in jail he was so funny trying to act like an amateur journalist like oh let me let me just put my mic right here (laughs) like you know but he's so he's so sneaky because he knew exactly what he had to say to get her where he was going you know what i mean and because she was a citizen journalist whatever it was pretty obviously obvious that she didn't have a very strong background because i mean right from right off the bat she wasn't very ethical at all and she would she would know that I mean, she would know that what she was doing was wrong and could be easily found out, Mm, especially with all the information that she was just leaving out. I mean, the first thing they teach you in journalism school is you're not supposed to be biased and you're supposed to ask questions that are neutral and not going to contribute to your bias. And it seems like from the jump, she had a storyline that she wanted to prove. So she only included the facts that would contribute to the you know, the road that she was traveling down. I think it's a big fault in in this whole social media world is now, exactly. as we were talking about earlier. Uh, I can't see anybody else playing this role but Michael, Michael Weatherly. He's fantastic. He's pretty suave about it. He's got, he just exudes a confidence and a charisma that mm-hmm. like, nobody else could. And to think that this is based off of Dr. Phil McGraw, <laughs> that just cracks me up. I know. Um, and then Ellen is killed, right like that. Next, like within the next three minutes, did she's you dead. see that coming? I did not see that coming. I didn't at all. I'm like, is that Ellen on the ground? <laughs> what know. the heck? Uh, so, yeah, forced entry. There's a struggle, so we're led to believe, okay, she she's offed by somebody, and mm-hmm. Reese has another panic attack. At this point in time, we know that Reese really isn't guilty. We know that somebody else is involved. Um, uh, what? So, okay, so in that scene where Reese is having her second panic attack and Bull had actually creepily found her on his, on a yeah. run. Sorry, Bull. Uh, so he had actually mentioned that though he, okay, though he had never experienced rape himself, he relates to her in that he is trapped, 
helpless, afraid, and that he was too young to know what to do about it, whatever this was. Any mm-hmm. theories as to what might be in Bull's past that they were talking about? Well, I'm, I kind of forget um, where this happens at or who asked him, but I remember someone mentioning to him, oh, it was... I'm not sure if it was the first or second episode. One of the woman jurors brought up to him, you you pay so close, like close attention to detail and to everybody's actions because something she brought up something that like may have happened to him in the past mm-hmm. that, you know, contributed to his character now. So it's very clear that something has happened to him. We're just not sure what it is. And I'm not even I can't really imagine what it was. I think Nadine and I were mentioning a possible military background. Okay. And I still, I'm I'm contemplating that. And while I think that's entirely realistic for a psychologist to be, you know, to exude any of these uh, emotions while Mm -hmm. on the field of battle, um, I just think that a lot of this stuff might be even, uh, you know, deeper and something more from his childhood. So I'm interested to know when this does come up what it's going to be. Because whenever they allude to it, you know that there's, at some point in time, it's going to come about. Oh, I mean, they definitely mentioned it twice already for a reason, so it's coming. We'll see. And whether or not that actually affects his future Mm -hmm. uh, when that does come to light. So, uh, So Cable had introduced a... So, yeah, back to the media, just being able to throw out any sort of story. Cable actually introduces a story through her own website that showed that Reese was innocent. Exactly. And two jurors had already picked up the story, read it before dinner, and Bull says, oh, they'll all have It'll it by dinner. It'll spread by dinner, yeah. So, what? Insane. Insane how you can just influence it, the story outside of the jury room. Exactly. Well, first of all, they're not even supposed to be, like, paying attention to any media. In... I mean, I don't know if this is a high enough profile case, but don't they usually like isolate the jury so they can't have access to media and things like that? I'm I'm not sure about jury rules. Yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure either. But I know in large cases, I mean, they have them like stay and they have them be isolated for the the length of the trial, so things like this don't happen. But um, I wonder how it goes if it's just like the on the honest system. Like I trust that you're not going to go on the internet when you leave here. Right. You know, it's always I don't a tough thing to uh, to gauge and trust. How could you ever? And especially this also brings up the fact that you know you can't you can't really trust everything that the media puts out there. That the because this is this cable girl. She's not a reliable source, and yeah. she just completely posted an extremely biased article of why Reese is innocent and where the case is going and these two people just took like took it for what it was and ran with it and on the other end of the spectrum you even have an individual like Amanda who is the DA and she's just trying to win the case Mm -hmm. and as you see when she is examining Reese on the stand she is talking in such a condescending manner oh for sure I was so turned off by that and I'm trying to put myself in the choose of one of the jurors Mm -hmm. and if i was one of them i'd be listening to amanda and be like how can i take this seriously exactly how uh, bull even brought up she knew that reese was prone to panic attacks so she was definitely being so condescending and so hard on her trying to trigger that like and use it to her advantage and it's like this whole entire like court business is just a game and it's like who could play it better you know yep i'm with you so it turns out that she through bull's 
you know, coaching, she's able to take herself out of the panic attack, and she has a powerful speech at the very end about what the what the rape, you know, meant to her and how it affected her, but how she wanted to see Mike suffer in life rather than in death, mm-hmm. and it helped convince most of the jury until. Uh, I guess that one juror still had not been convinced yet. And so through Benny's closing arguments and through Huff's audio tapes, um, it pretty much realized that there, you know, he had brought to light that there was just a scandal all along, that Huff Mm -hmm. had a agenda to make it out like Reese was guilty the whole time. And the jury took it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, So when all is said and done... What did you think about the twist at the end about who actually committed the murder? That was, it was just, they should have plugged that in way in the beginning. The fact that they just tossed in this random coach with this random motive and all this other, it just came out of left field. I was like, come on, you have to like plant the seed a little bit first. Did we even meet the coach? No, he just, I have no idea who this dude is. I know. We. I, I would have at least liked to have seen the coach. I think... He was in the stands. Yeah, he came in with some of their teammates. But that was the only mention of him. And the only time we saw him, and he had no line. Like, he was just such a random person this whole entire story. And I would think that that's more of a director's choice and not having a shot where it's a close-up on him to just throw it out there. Like, oh, is there something behind that? Right. But... I thought it was a little bizarre. It is, but I think that they're they're trying to squeeze so much into the episode in just these 45 minutes that, I don't know. I think that, but that was such, like, a prominent part of this whole entire thing that it should have played a bigger role from the beginning. Just didn't feel like a lot of payoff for yeah. us as viewers, and I think I would have liked that at the end. I agree. Um, Tell us what you guys think uh, in our chat room. You know we're on SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube. Uh, you know we had a great, great episode. Thanks yeah. for uh, showing up for this first uh, first time <laughs> this season. Um, happy to have you. Tell us where you uh, they can find you on social media. Uh, don't forget to follow me. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at the real underscore o underscore g. The real OG. And I am Kevin Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at the Kevin Ellis or on Instagram at Kevin Ellis twenty five. We will be back next week with reviews of episodes four and five. Nadine DeLapel will be back. Hopefully Olivia Gabri will be back. She will. She will. And uh, (laughs) I am Kevin Ellis. Thanks again, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, Buzz you, you later. later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 